This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is Joy 94.9's Family Matters podcast, your light-hearted look at parenthood and rainbow families, sponsored by Berry Street. Did you know that Berry Street seeks members of our LGBTI communities to become foster carers? Not only do they have a proud tradition of training and embracing LGBTIQ carers, they officially support marriage equality. Learn more now at berrystreet.org.au, a proud Joy sponsor for over five years. You gotta see the baby. When are you gonna see the baby? Family matters. You are listening to Family Matters, your lighthearted look at parenting and rainbow families. My name is Mama Mish, joined by producer Gina. Hello. I've got my lovely Anna in the room. Hello. Recent <laughs> recent radio graduate here at she Joy. Is. I know. No longer an intern. I know. <laughs> Training wheels are right off. We're just throwing her live. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I think it's awesome. This is how we do things here. That's right. Yes. And we're joined in the room by Felicity Marlowe. How are you Yay. going? Hi, everybody. I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. We're very excited wow. to have you here. You've had a really busy day, Felicity. So you've been at the LGBTIQ Women's Health Conference and this was day one. Day one, and what a collection of amazing advocates and activists and people who work in organisations all around the country. It's been a really incredible day. Our very own uh, Ruby Mountford her, from Triple Bypass was presenting at two sessions today. You got off easy. You had one session. I had present. one session, <laughs> but I did make it fun. I had lollies. I saw there was also whiteboard activities. Love a bit of a whiteboard activity. So we're going to find out a bit about day one at the conference, and we're also going to find out what Rainbow Families Victoria have been up to. So much to cover tonight on Family Matters. But before we do, there's a gorgeous little song by Tegan and Sarah called Faint of Heart, which I especially love because I especially love the inclusive and diversive film clip that goes with this. So this is Faint of Heart by Tegan and Sarah. Welcome back. You are listening to Family Matters. Mama Mish here. Okay, so Gina. Hello. How are you? I'm just grabbing stuff. <laughs> You're running <laughs> I'm away. I'm grabbing a <laughs> Now very we're busy. Very excited. We've got Anna, who is super new. Yes, to I'm new here. To, to you, you're beautiful. Come on, speak up. Say oh, hello, to no, everyone. no, no. Wait a minute. We did a recording today for Trans POV, and yes. your voice is a little bit louder than this. Are yeah. you just that tired? Not really. It was just more like I was. You know, Kista, we were talking about a very touchy subject. You know, about the anti-trans crew. Ah, uh, yes. London uh. Pride, and then. We were talking about how Scarlett Johansson and other sisters yes. and actors are taking up places in Hollywood using our own narratives and things like that. So, yeah, I was quite worked up by that, yes, yes. By, by those topics. <laughs> and and I think you're f- fair to be pretty worked up about that. I think all of us were quite offended. I mean, I am a very proud butch lesbian who was highly offended by what I was seeing because it doesn't represent my views, it doesn't represent how I feel about my trans sisters, was equally appalled that people would, one, say those things and do those things. And I, I've i seen a lot of that conversation online and forget that there's real people behind it. So mm. I think it's important yeah. for someone like myself to stand up and say, I think it's a lot of malarkey. That's not yeah. a swear word. Just no, make, no, no. You know, it's kind of... <laughs> It's okay for this time slot. Exactly. I think so. Because exactly. I find it highly distressing to but see that as well. But not many people know about you that you're, you're 
Rainbow Mama. My Rainbow, yes. Your Rainbow Mama, <laughs> your, the person who just helped you was, was a trans woman. It was a trans lesbian. So 25, 6, 7 years ago, oh the person who was the first person who accepted me for myself and created a safe space for me to find my identity and encourage this little butch lesbian was a trans lesbian. We, we make some of the best, you know, rainbow mamas. She, well, she was also called Michelle. So, <laughs> you know, share Another mama mish. <laughs> and, you know, I know I wouldn't be here to this day if it wasn't for Michelle, who was my guardian angel and made that space for me. So I've never understood this kind of... Hmm. hate that I see on there, you know, hmm. my trans mama did not try and suppress my identity or turn me trans or any of that rubbish that I'm reading online. And I'm sorry that you both see that as well, because it's rubbish and it's no one I, I know. And I'd like to have a conversation with those people. If, well, if, if anybody wants to have that street. conversation yeah, or join in on, on that. Down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want to join in on that, though, you can reach out to us here. Um, now, just so you know, we are twits at Family Matters 94. Uh, you can also get us on Facebook, which Facebook.com Family Matters on Joy. Uh, you can uh, also email us familymatters at joy.org.au. But in the meantime, if you did want to reach out, you can as- SMS us 0427 Joy 949 or uh, email us on air at joy.org.au. And why not have a question for Felicity Marlowe, who's exactly. here on the microphone? Looking very tired after a very long day you have been presenting. Bring it on. Come on, I can do it. So, Fliss, the conference, basically it focuses, it's on the next two days. Today was day one. It focuses on the health and wellbeing needs of all, like we said, all LGBTIQ women uh, within Australian communities. Now, you had a three-hour workshop today that you presented about rainbow families are everywhere. They are. What did, what did this workshop actually look like? What, what does one do in a three-hour Rainbow Families? Is it like Where's Wally and you kind of got to find, <laughs> you get a map of the globe and you're finding everyone? How does it, what, what does it look I, like? I'm well, first of all, I wish it was three hours. It was 90 minutes, but it wasn't oh. actually 90 minutes because it all ran over time. Oh, fabulous. Oh. Yeah, yeah. They're it was good, a fantastic a opening night. plenary with some really diverse and interesting people speaking. So... Yes, I was in the first set of workshops and we just titled ours Rainbow Families Are Everywhere. And I guess our aim was to identify the fact that when we talk about um, LGBTIQ women's health, we are also needing to include the fact that a lot of people have children in their lives. Mm. And while the census is um, not a particularly good count of who exists... I couldn't answer it properly. You can't, but what is really useful to know is that when they look at like female same-sex couples, mm-hmm. 25% of people in the, who identified themselves as female same-sex couples said they had children in their lives oh, wow. and 4-5% to 5% of male same-sex couples. And now, of course, the census is um, deficit in mm-hmm. terms of identifying sole parents, co-parenting parents. Right. It doesn't ask about whether you're trans, gender diverse, non-binary. It had that one opt-in question yeah. you could get a code for well, I but I guess a, it's yeah. really important for you know my biggest sort of thing I guess is that um, services need to acknowledge and our LGBTIQ community needs to acknowledge that a lot of us have kids in our lives and That's so right. our workshop was really just about having people have that conversation about who they have in their lives what kind of diverse family forms they're part of because we all are far from diverse families <laughs> and yes. how then we can look at our inclusive practice when we go back to our workplace or our communities.
Well, I've noticed even recently when trying to put together to get funding for different projects that here in Australia, there's actually very few stats, especially around trans, that most of the stuff's coming from the US or the UK. But as I've been searching, like I've been really I'm working on a project specifically around employment, but um, I found that when even searching further around trans specifically or um, even gender diverse, there's really nothing Yeah, there. it's a really... The research gaps that we've identified through Rainbow Families Victoria are massive. Mm. And the best that we can do often is extrapolate from existing research that m- perhaps meets the needs of straight or heterosexually parented families and say, well, look, these are similar. They're going to be similar stats for our communities. And one of the key ones that I would identify is that we know that the high prevalence of family violence occurs during pregnancy and early parenting. We don't have the stats on what that looks like in um, queer families, Mm -hmm. trans-parented families, gender-diverse parented families, but we need to extrapolate that to be able to be in in that space. Yeah. We need to be able to say to our LGBTIQ communities that are working on family violence, don't forget mm. that some of us have children and or are co-parenting across two or more family homes. And you need to think about those when mm. you're not... So that you don't just create families that are only binary, that mm. only have two parents. Mm. Or you need to also identify the fact that sometimes we have children that live already with a trans parent, a gender diverse parent, a sole parent, mm. and they need to also be included in the mix. So it's a really big issue, the, the data gaps and mm. the research gaps for our communities. One of the things I've, I've been really big on pushing as well is, is I find that a lot of us, especially as trans women or even as trans men, we just still go straight for binary female or binary man, where we need to actually start being honest with our identities and honest with our reporting so that we can actually have better stats on this because we're just too worried about blending in and... And well, it's because the, the forms don't obvious, oh, no. uh, cover that. I mean, we were talking about census form before. I was interstate mm. at the time, so I couldn't go online. I had to use the paper form given to me by the hotel, which didn't all, even allow me to to say that, I, you know, the living status at home, because I had to skip that question. I had a pen. I created my own boxes. I, I, there was like an essay by the time I'd finished with my census form. I know none of that is counted. Mm. But is it because nobody's asking those questions? Well, if you look at like in employment spaces, so if, like if, you, if you're looking at like surveys that are put around the, around the office and corporate environments, there are spaces that say other. Um, they are counted in some of those. But now with the government and the census, yeah, that's a different story. We need yeah. to have that on there. And, and that's ignorant of them not to include that. But within certain, even corporate spaces, a lot of us still will go and say, no, no, female binary, even though we have the option to put the other. We need to actually mm. have the honest answer. Because you're not identifying as gender X, and that's what they've been forced to put on these forms. You're right. like, no, no, let me answer this correctly. Right. And you but want the, data? I'll give you yeah, data. And that's the thing is, is we need to actually, the data is important. And I yeah. think I saw a recent report with PwC that actually showed there were like, 0.2% of other, and there was like 4% of mm. gender diverse. But then again, you know, so a lot of trans women would say female or trans men would say male. And people maybe who are non-binary would probably do the gender mm. diverse. Mm. So it's it's very skewed. In it's a really answering. big issue. And we've just put in a submission. The Australian Bureau of Statistics were just asking about census 2021. So okay. we've just put in a submission mm. to look at the topics as topics on population, on sex and gender and on households and families. Mm. And nice. under each of those, we've said you need to be much more receptive to the diversity mm. of family forms and you need to understand that when people are recording this data, they need to be able to say, actually, my children who live in with me tonight have two other 
homes that they go to regularly mm. who are also their parents. Mm. And I need to be able to reflect that because if we don't have accurate data, we it's very hard to argue, yeah. argue for policy changes or yeah. for services to actually give us what we need and what our kids need. Who were the people that were attracted to this today's session? Who, who did it include today? So it had about... Um, we had about 35, 40 people attend our workshop today. And really what we wanted to do was highlight diverse family forms. So for us as Rainbow Families Victoria, when we do training with maternal child health or early education centres or with um, services that, you know, look at um, providing services for children and families, we remind them that there are more diverse families as a whole than there are mother-father families mm. oh. and that what we need to realise is the intersectionalities in rainbow families covers all of those. Mm. It's step-parent families, it's foster care families, it's kids that are adopted, it's kids in kinship or intergenerational families, it's kids that have co-parents, it's kids that have two mums, two yeah. dads, it's kids that know their donors and have a relationship with them, it's kids that have diblings rather than siblings. Who What's have a dibling? Hang on. Oh, have oh, you not no, 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 no. Diblings. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> Message in if you know dibling before before you find out. Totally. There would, join be some, there would be some listeners who know Diblings. That's another whole show. You can get a whole <laughs> set of Diblings in. So Diblings are siblings who have the same donor. Oh. oh. Yes, because yes, a sperm donor, now, word out on the street, we are low on sperm donors. There is a donor <laughs> shortage. There is a great episode of The Informer. We need donors. We need diverse donors. So if you un- under 45 men, please... Donate and be diverse because we need that too. Yes, continue. So, look, diblings are, I mean, in the olden days um, (laughs) when my kids were little, you might go to an event and subtly noticed that some children looked quite similar. In fact, when Sarah, my partner and I were considering um, creating our family, we were facilitating a group with a name that's not particularly inclusive, but prospective lesbian parents in sort of 2003-2004. Yeah. It's better than its previous name, which was Lesbian Litters. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, and at that time in Victoria, wow. you weren't able to access assisted reproductive treatment yes. here unless you had a medical infertility issue, yes. even though the government... Um, the federal government at the time called it socially infertile. Is this when you'd go up to Albury? So people would engage in reproductive yeah. tourism. Yeah. They would drive up to yeah, Albury, go would. over the border. Yeah, pay for it on the pokies, clinics. hopefully on the way. <laughs> yeah, it was the only place you could yeah. play the pokies back then. And for a while there, you could go to Queensland and okay. you could also go to Tasmania. So we had some very funny social situations where people would come over and we'd be like, hey, how are you going? They're like, oh, we've gone down to use a clinic in... <laughs> Hobart and someone else would go, oh, we're using a clinic in Hobart. And then a third couple would go, oh, so are we. And then you'd have that awkward pause. Everyone would sit their cup of tea and go, so what's your donor called? And we didn't know their name. So you just had to use the characteristics like... The dominant gene that then presents. The donor is a... Engineer, the donor has blue eyes, the donor has dark hair. And we had one social situation, and apologies to anyone that's listening in now who was there, where we all went, oh, I think we're all using the same donor. Wow. And none of us had got pregnant, so that was really useful. So in the end... No one went with that donor. Because clearly the donor was shooting... Because we were all really close friends and we suddenly realised that that would be quite confusing and difficult (laughs) to explain. But the upshot of the Assisted Reproductive Treatment Act in 2010 that came into effect in January 2010 is that a donor who's a known identity release donor at a Mm. clinic can donate to 10 families. 10 families, yeah. So there is still a... 
yeah. you know, they were still within that while they tried to restrict it. And again, the donor sperm shortage is one Huge issue. Shortage, please um, donate now. Come yeah. out to Joy and <laughs> we'll find you something to inspire you. Come on. Just need a sterilised yeah. jar. Yeah, we'll just go. put in the microwave. Yeah, we've got a take microwave. That long. We're good. <laughs> easy, easy. Bring in your jars. Under 45 and be the diverse, collection. please. Not under tissues, into the jar. <laughs> it's quite hard, apparently. Anyway, anyway um, that's quite a wide chart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you walk straight into this. It's been a long day. <laughs> so, look, I think, um, you know, that's where Dibbling's come yeah. into it. And so, because Victoria has extremely fantastic donor identity release um, yeah. information um, legislation, which means that VARTA, the yes. Victorian Assisted Reproductive Treatment Authority, allows you to either register on a voluntary register or a central register about whether you'd like to, A, as a donor, be contacted or B, as a donor, conceived person, contact or find out about who mm. else is part of your family. Um, it has meant that people have been able to do that a lot earlier and mm. so children are being able to meet their dibblings and that's formed a really beautiful relationship nice. for some families where they didn't know that they had these other extended families and those kids are very connected. Mm. But it is something to really consider about is the regulations that exist in the ART Act, are they representative enough of the kind of diverse families that we are creating mm. and are they mm. strengthening and creating enough legal certainty for those children in mm. the future? So those things are all up for grabs with the new ART yeah, review, actually. Yeah, because I've seen, uh, I saw a post the other day uh, that you put up, so the terms of reference are up for review and you're asking people to have a read see if they've got any suggestions and, and reach out to yourselves. So Yeah, look, it was only yesterday that the um, terms of reference were released okay. for the ART review. Um, this was something announced by the Victorian Government in April. They're looking to have public consultations in August and a final report go to the Minister for Health in October, but nothing finalised until March next year. So for Victorians, that's post the state election. So that's interesting, an interesting time potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a SATMAG uh, podcast I'd like you all to listen to, but anyway, oh. that's... Um, anyway. Look, so one of the questions which I thought was really interesting because it's something I've been grappling with is um, what are the implications for LGBTIQ people accessing assisted reproductive treatment now that there's marriage equality? And so what's the intersection between being married and you accessing marriage under the new... Um, Marriage Religious Freedoms Amendment Act and accessing assisted reproductive treatment in Victoria. So that's Mm. going to be a really interesting new space um, and that's something I've been thinking about and wondering what the implications are of marriage on our kids. We will be putting in our submission will include way more beyond the terms of reference and that's because we're also interested in how has altruistic surrogacy played out in Victoria and and the double sort of standards that creates for particularly gay, bi or queer male couples who want to create family and they need to find an egg donor and a surrogate and we think that's really complex and difficult and we'd like to see that relaxed. We're also concerned about birth certificates. So there's lots of issues that can come up. My and that's like, stay tuned, I guess. Watch our yeah. Facebook page. Yeah, keep staying tuned. Well, one of the things I want to ask when we come back is probably one of your biggest takeaway from the overall conference. So you are listening to Family Matters. We'll talk to you soon. Family Matters is brought to you today by the letters LGBTIQA and the number one. The kids are all right. As for our presenters, um... 
Family Matters, Joy 94.9. I still love that intro. So do I. <laughs> this is Mama Mish, producer Gina, Hello. no longer intern Anna, and Felicity Marlowe, who went to the LGBTIQ Women's Health Conference of 2018. And presented. And, and what presented. was, you showed us a whiteboard picture of some of the ways people described rainbow families. Well, My, the, mine isn't on there, but go. No, it might not be. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I think one of the things that I was really keen to do is get people up and meeting each other. We just sat in this incredibly fantastic early plenary with a fantastic welcome by um, Wondry Elder Annette Zibris, and we'd heard from the Minister for Health in Victoria and we'd heard from Alison Thorne, who's the new um, name yeah, behind named. Thorne Harbour wow. um, Health, which is the old VAC, which is going to take all of us it's a long so time long to get to used to. Get used to. <laughs> totally. And I guess Alison gave a fantastically powerful um, presentation and the title of her presentation I think is something that I completely agree with, which is capitalism is bad for your health or our health yes um and really her sort of lasting sort of point around that was that um feminism and socialism are the antidote to Mm. making sure that all of us have and enjoy a a life that is um full of well-being and connection and inclusion so she was a really great starting sort of starting off the blocks getting people motivated so that was a really great way to start the conference speaking of feminism are you are we starting to see because we're talking earlier about um the news around anti-trans attitudes are you finding that within feminism it's starting to become more intersectional or are we think it's still very exclusionary from just keeping it strictly women with vaginas uh, are, are you are you functioning we, yeah, words, uteruses, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean i guess feminism is as, as broad a church as the lgbtiq communities yeah. are a broad church mm. and in a non-religious way and i think that some of us who have been brought up with a feminist sort of attitude and a feminist analysis of the world that we live in are striving to make that a really like embedded with all of the work that we do and i know that as a parent of two um children that um male and one that's non-binary um you know we practice that feminism and that idea about a world that is um you know dare i say you know smashing the patriarchy but actually being able to be aware of the way that the patriarchy and capitalism form a particular block in the world that we live so my poor children have and i'm sure i've talked about this before like don't rarely see a disney movie but when they (laughs) saw frozen one of my kids who was about nine at the time raffi bless his cotton socks said now, Mama, I know you don't like Disney movies, but at least it had two very strong female characters. And I was like, my work here is done, That's my friend. Yes. So I think feminism is an important parenting attitude, particularly in a world that we've got the Me Too scenario going yeah, on. Still you know, we're pay right. and roles and That's all that right. stuff. Yes. And the policy and political sort of people that are driving um, health promotion, driving the medical system, yeah. driving the educational institutions that um, our children are forced to be part of until they're 17 yeah. are predominantly men and they're predominantly cis white men who are middle class and Correct. have been educated and often, you know, I often look at them and think, ah, oh, I wonder how much washing they've hung out this week, you know, or I wonder how much sort of unpaid labour I'm doing. And we talked about the census before and while it's still a binary analysis, um, men do an average five hours of unpaid domestic labour and women were doing up to 15. I do that all day. I've got a newborn (laughs) who's just started eating. Like, seriously. So even killing the environment. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm doing right now. Oh, look, I mean, I do probably two loads a day and hang it out. 
that overnight. Thank God for central heating. Yeah, so I think that feminism, like the feminism that I am not attuned to and would not want um, to see rise up is that form of radical feminism that erases that trans and gender diverse identities and existence and that isn't actually about all coming together for a common good and so yeah i think i mean you know it's a tricky thing to see what's more prominent i mean i think radical feminism has a particular place in university culture more Mm. than it does perhaps in the general community culture yeah because the pride the pride london uh parade when the women basically hijacked the parade and there was eight the parade against 30,000. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's yeah. important to, to go. It eight. was, yeah, uh, yeah eight. eight or ten. It was eight. not a lot. Yeah, yeah but, but, it got, but, it got, but it got the attention that they wanted yeah, true. to... And this is the thing, it gets the attention online, and I was saying to you, Mish, uh, you know, off air earlier, I read a great article by John Cameron Mitchell in The Guardian where mm. John wasn't talking about this because it hadn't happened yet, but was kind of saying this kind of online battering of each other as queer people that we see online is what the internet is and it's usually a product and these aren't the exact words but it was generally saying this is a product of what we do when we can't find those who are really oppressing us that we attack each other it's that typical class warfare stuff it's like we can't fight the people that are really holding us down so we're kind of it's like I think the word in the article was oppression Olympics kind of thing. Mm. And we shouldn't be battling each other because we are not each other's oppressors and we need to be lifting each other up. Yeah, and so I think that's, you know, that form of lateral violence yeah. was definitely raised today. Okay. I went to, um, aside from my session that I obviously <laughs> went to, um, I did make it to the panel discussion in the afternoon, which was titled Gay, Straight or Lying Bisexual Women in Lesbian Spaces, which had a great array of um, excellent speakers and was moderated by the fabulous Sally Goldner. Is this the one where you tweeted, getting ready for an awesome panel, including gay, straight or lying bisexual women in lesbian spaces? Yes, and I probably should have had a few um, (laughs) more apostrophes or dashes in there. I know. The lying bisexuals, it wasn't what I meant. There was supposed to be a a comma. (laughs) an edit in tweet. <laughs> I know. Know. I was tweeting too fast. <laughs> so tell us about that session. Yeah, so that, like, I'm really interested in exploring more within Rainbow Families Victoria about how we include and incorporate and represent and support the bi community and the mm. bi parenting community because I think that for a lot of the time, because we've mainly fought law reforms, law reforms are actually opposite sex relationships versus same sex relationships. Yeah. And so that just erases any gender diversity or bisexuality from the discussion and well we've had to do that because we need the legal certainty for our families and kids it also has meant that we've created a narrative that just only talks about same-sex parented families and what we're really conscious of is that that is not inclusive enough particularly of our bi community who when they present at a maternal child health center Mm. or at kinder or at a primary school for the outside world it looks like a heterosexual model of a family Mm. and yet that is not who that family is those children could very well be brought up in a queer culture and they could also those children could also be part of a rainbow family community but that is a raise the moment that people decide Mm. that that family looks like it's a straight family so whether you are gender diverse or non-binary or trans or bisexual within that what 
is perceived to be heterosexual, mm. your your identity and your existence and your culture is erased. So, mm. I mean, I attend those sessions to sort of hear those stories and to remind myself of the work we need to continue to yeah. do to include those families and um, those people. So it was a really interesting session, but lateral violence was definitely brought up in that um, as it was in the Aboriginal Voices session in the afternoon. The um, uh, One of the biggest feedbacks I get from since the Better Together conference, um, I mean, and or even since marriage equality that was going through, I remember speaking a lot to folks who did identify as bisexual. Mm-hmm. Now, myself, you know, grew up my rest of my life, you know, being uh, in a heterosexual marriage, but still being bisexual uh, privately. Um, I found the conversation is there's still so much stigma around being bisexual or also transgender, mm-hmm. uh, but the bisexual is there are people who identify as bisexual, but when you say you're bisexual but you're in a heterosexual relationship then it's like what you're you know you come across as uh promiscuous or or whatever or then if you go from say being married in a heterosexual relationship and then start dating somebody in a same-sex relationship then there's this further stigma as well and it's like seen as a as a phase or whatever so we really need to yeah we really do need to support mate that's been going on forever when i was like 17 dating a a woman who identified as bisexual all my lesbian pals be like don't go there you know it was kind of warning warning she's just gonna it's like oh Danger, Will Robinson, danger. I don't care what my partner does before or after me as long as, you know, that's... But it's really highlighted. It's it's really coming to the surface more now and people are talking about it more. Is it because we've got social media where ignorant loud voices just think they're getting more attention than they should no i think it i think it's just it? a lot i think i think I'm, am i in that I'm, since I marriage equality knowing. yeah there's a lot of conversations happening that haven't really been had before or saying hey we really need to talk about this so yeah. things like the trans people trans people standing up saying okay well we've raved we have waved the rainbow flag you need to be picking up our flag and waving that too yeah or the bi community going wait a minute we really need to be representation here because we really feel invisible. Yeah. And people are like, yeah, me too. And so it's, it's you know, the rest of us, the, the BTIQ communities are all saying, hey, guys, you've, you've kind of gotten what you've, you've needed here. So what are, you, what are you doing for the rest of us? Yeah. Well, you did touch on maternal health nurses. Mm-hmm. And I know I had an incident recently at... Uh, so I've got a wonderful regular maternal health nurse, God bless her, because she taught me how to put my baby to sleep during the day. I'm seriously <laughs> taking like yeah. flowers and chocolates for the next visit, and I hope she's cool with that. But I had an incident where my regular maternal health nurse was actually away. And we had one of those travelling, you know, come and visit, you know, fill in the gap kind of maternal health nurses who was a little bit older, probably been in the profession a long time, probably has never attended one of the sessions that you host. And I remember walking in and I could see the look, I could see the internal monologue happening in her head, which started with, hang on, you're not a boy. Um <laughs> you're a lesbian. This is a rainbow family. Like, I could see that. And she didn't know how to speak to me when we were there. She didn't know how to identify. breastfeeding. (laughs) And she she just, and because that was about the time we were about to change, you know, it was handover and I was going to be primary parent in charge at home. So I needed her to really focus her attention on the stuff that I needed to do at home. We were going to address it with our regular maternal health nurse, but it was, you know, when we went back, it was, so, you know, we didn't want to take away from that positivity. What, what, would I, what should I be doing in that instance, Fliss? 
to oh, Gina. Well, <laughs> let's just say she looked like Margaret Court and sounded like it. And but look, by the end, she was nice. She realised, mm. you know, my main concern was the child. Yeah, and I think that's the way to start. I mean, in Victoria, between the between birth and the age of four, you have on average ten visits to what? a maternal child health nurse. I'm in a fancy suburb. We have yeah. even more. Yeah, yeah. And if you add in your lactation consultant and someone else to help you with the other things and then, then you're sort of you know, clocking up the hours with a local <laughs> service in your local community. Oh, yeah. um, and for a lot of our families, the very first time they engage with their local council is their maternal child health nurse or a lactation consultant. I mean, another thing I should add is that we are the only state that calls the maternal child health nurses and in other states they're called child and family support or child and family services. So I think that's another exclusionary issue that we have because maternal, of course, as a word... Mm. Um, if is, I was a gay dad, or yeah, yeah. Or if you were the non-birth parent, or if you're gender diverse, it would not be something that you'd feel comfortable with. So, we um, in our training would say the thing you need to ask as an MCH nurse is, well, tell me who's in your family, and mm. what words do you use to describe the people in your family, and tell me why you're here today, mm. um, and so be very simple. clear about what this in this appointment we will be doing this, and in this appointment we need to know this. And I guess from a um, best interests of children's point of view they we do need our kids to be seen by mm. mch nurses we don't want people to have bad experiences because no. if they don't go back that kid you know the child might not be latching on properly yeah. not might not might be underweight might be losing she, weight there might be other issues like hip hip dysplasia hip kind dysplasia, of, all of those things really important trust her i went to yeah. our gp I went back to our GP and I shouldn't leave a session not trusting No, you shouldn't. And I think that's one of the key things we say is that it is beholden on local government and shires to make sure that the MCH nurses are aware of the diverse family forms that exist in their communities. And we were talking about data before. We don't have a lot of data. What we do have is the postal survey um, <laughs> data, which tells us in each electorate who voted yes. And apart yes. from two in Victoria that didn't, everyone else voted yes. And so that tells us also that the communities, the adults, the workers, where you live, work and play, those adults that run the services, work in those communities, know that same-sex families exist, as they would call it, versus the marriage equality. Mm. That's probably all they know, unfortunately, because there wasn't a lot of diversity in the promotion of marriage equality in that campaign but they voted to say yes there should be equal rights and we just think that should just filter down to equal rights in how you represent families in services like your mch we we did know we liked our mch nurse because the first visit was a home visit and it was very soon after marriage equality the poster was still up in my window i think it still is (laughs) and it might have confused her because our known gay dad was was there on the day and i think he answered the door and then i was out (laughs) in the yard and you know my partner was sitting you know breastfeeding and the first, because I hadn't walked in, and as I walked in, she still didn't know what family this was. And she's like, I knew you'd be a good couple because I saw the yes poster there. It's like, oh, no, 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 he doesn't live here. <laughs> um, it's us. <laughs> I, so I I'm glad have... you like the yes poster, but you've actually walked into, you know, Rainbow Haven. Because, <laughs> like, I, I, I always want to be a fly in a wall and hear the conversation with her funny. trying to have a lactation consultation with you. No, 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 Look, I've felt very fortunate and I especially felt very fortunate in the hospital because I know your partner had been out there training in the exact hospital that I was and we had an amazing experience in that space and that's sort of the stuff that Rainbow mm. Families Victoria goes out and does. Nobody sees that. But what's what's coming up next? I mean, we know you're going to be working on the art stuff. There's so much going on. Yeah, there's heaps. Like we've just put in the um, census review. We're waiting for the in September for the report from the Family Law System Review 
That's a federal um, Australian Law Reform Commission Can review. Can I ask, what were some of the big key items that were put forward to the Family Law Review? So the, com- the key things that we really highlighted was the um, lack of training for dispute resolution. So we don't want anyone to end up in the family court. It's awful for anybody mm-hmm. to do that. And um, while there needs to be a huge overhaul of training and support in courts, what we'd like is at the very beginning that people had more access to support who um, at the dispute and mediation level. Mm. So we talked a lot about the fact that if people don't understand who's in a diverse family and don't include the co-parents or don't include um, significant people or aren't sensitive to people's gender or sexuality from the onset, then they're not including rainbow families at all. Um, the other thing we talked a lot about was what support is there through, say, Victorian Legal Aid or st- through um, some of the kids programs that, you know, people say, oh, we've got programs to support kids that are going through um, the family court. Well, do you really know how to talk to children who have got, you know, lesbian mums, bi parents, mm. gender diverse parents? Do you actually use the right pronouns? Do you mm. actually understand that that family culture is ex- important to those families? Yeah. And so the third thing too was that idea of the fact that I touched on before that um, um, a lot of our children in rainbow families are part of the LGBTI community because they strongly identify with the culture mm. and they strongly identify with being a part of a rainbow family. And we've identified as a gap that we'd like to really look at in terms of research is what is a queer culture for those children. So mm-hmm. in the same way that dispute resolution in the family court acknowledge if someone comes from an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community or a multicultural community and they look at well, what, what um, outcomes would need to be balanced to make sure those kids remained part of that cu- culture and, mm-hmm. and still had those cultural identities, we would like to see things like if children um, are in, a part of a dispute in the family court where one parent or carer is saying, well, I don't want them to go to Pride March, I don't want them to go to their Rainbow Families Playgroup, I don't want you to be part of that community anymore, that we acknowledge that those children should have a voice and that those children might say, actually, mm. it's really important for me to go to Pride March because that's part of my identity. So we want yeah. children's voices in Rainbow Families to be heard more through all of the areas in the family law system. So that was part of our submission and we just thought, we'll give it a go yeah. um, and at least then we can start to have that conversation more broadly and hopefully out of that we'd like to design training and work collaboratively with some of the um, services like Relationships Australia and others that do provide that dispute and mediation services to say, think of our diverse families, think of gender diversity Mama Mish, do your girls consider themselves as part of the rainbow community? I mean, I know your youngest wants to be a drag queen. That's a cute oh, yes. little, that's a funny story on the, on the side there. Yeah. Look, uh, but do they see themselves, I mean, they come to events. They they, they, come, they, they probably don't really understand. Um, their their mom's, their mom is, not that their mom's not anti-LGBT, she just doesn't, uh, she is more fear and overprotective of how they're going to be treated. Um, uh, they, I try to keep them around as many other um, rainbow families as much as I can but mm. um, I just find that I haven't found any other trans families like us yeah. that are out there. There's very few trans, well I call them dads but trans moms uh, <laughs> yeah. that are that yeah. are out there as well um, so it's, it's, it's a bit of an odd one. We kind of f- like I know myself I feel a bit isolated Yeah. Um, but um, my kids, yeah, they see the rainbow flag and they will wear rainbows and all those sorts of things. But 
that I don't necessarily push the fact mm. or, or try to give them too much. Uh, yeah. But they'll see transgender and they're like, oh, oh, oh they get excited. And yeah. Or if they see drag, they get really excited. And, yeah. But my kids can look at you and say, uh, I said to my girls one time, I said, uh, do you know the difference between you know the RuPaul Drag Race people and, and Daddy? And they go, yeah, Dad, well, you're a girl. And those those are guys who just dressed as girls and they're just doing whatever. And I'm going, I didn't have to say nothing to them. I'm going, man, I'm winning. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's amazing. Did a good job. Yeah, That's exactly. A very good job. So they get the difference, mm, but yeah. they don't They don't know the marriage equality stuff. They don't know any of this stuff because our, our my, my advocacy is a little different than the marriage yeah. equality. And yeah. it's just basically just to have life normal. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I'm on trains and I have people pointing out that I'm, a man in a dress, quoting figures oh, in the I air. I saw that video you shared today on Facebook, which yeah. is amazing. And it happens all the time. Yeah. And but I've got a sh- I've got to be a constant shield for them, which is why I'm so tired all the time or worn out. Mm. Um, which is why I'm trying to get a bit more of a voice in certain spaces to go and saying, "Hey, this is my family, and it's very unique. I'm not a trans woman who's lived in the LGBT community her entire life. I'm somebody who's a dad who's." only come into this later in life and trying to find my place here because I'm not included in heterosexual spaces anymore. And I think that's a really important thing, like you've come to it later in life. Like we've got um, today a lovely woman called Catherine presented with me. She's on our Mm. committee and she and her partner Claire um, discovered they were pregnant the same time that Claire started medically transitioning. Mm. I think it was Mm. the same week. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, So, you know, there are families that are created over time at very different ages and stages for everybody involved Mm. and suddenly they're capitulated into like, oh, we are now part of the queer community or the LGBTIQ community and we're part of we're now a rainbow family. And it wasn't exactly the beginning point of their relationship or their family formation. So is there like a kit we send out to people going, Welcome, (laughs) I'm still waiting for mine. I'm still waiting for mine. (laughs) (laughs) We're just gonna cut straight to an ad and we're just gonna run to the end of the show. Won't be back in a sec. We will be back in a sec. Hang on. We are running to the top of the hour and you should see us during the breaks. We're just trying to finish conversations. Because we haven't got enough time. No, like we had all these is. topics out. Throw all, throw all the songs out, throw yeah. all the stuff out, because we're just more interested in talking about this. Now, speaking of this, I want you to give a shout-out to the New Parents Group. You're up to the fourth one, which, Mish, this might be something for you. Might be. Might be. Yeah, so um, we have just started earlier this year our Transgender Diverse and Non-Binary Parents and current carers meet up group it's very new um it's very new we've met three times we've got our fourth meeting this sunday um it's two to four at drummond street services 100 Mm. drummond street in carlton um our topic this week is that um all the kids stuff so how did people sharing stories of how they came out or how they've talked about gender diversity or being trans or non-binary with their children or how they perceive they might talk to their children about it. So sharing all of those stories, resources, books, videos, the ways in which people have told those stories. Um, So it's very new. We will be having a family event for people to bring their partners um, and co-parents and also for prospective parents as well and their kids to come along in August, so stay tuned on the Rainbow yeah, Families Mish. Victoria well, website. Well, you'll have to, have to keep me involved. I'll have yeah, to, I'll, we'd love I'll to keep have the radio you. hat in the, in the background and just, um, <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, we almost do need a kit for, for, you know, you are a Rainbow Family now. 
Yeah. But send a, you know, what, what, what do we do? I, know, I feel like they need, we do. We need a basket. You need, a, the you great, need a basket. The great thing now is my kids, when we go places, right? This is, this is the, this is, I don't even, have, I did not have to cue this. My kids look at me now and go, okay, dad, where are we going? I'm going to go into a friend's house. Okay, do they have kids? Yes. What genders are they? And I'm going, oh my God, my babies, my babies are growing up. I didn't have to cue any of this. They, they just learned it out on their They've own. They've just learned it on their yeah. own. Now, okay, I, the most important part for me is to find out, have I passed induction as a rainbow parent, Felicity? We've got you here in the room. I've been at this about six months. Um, I think I'm doing everything. Have you dropped the baby? I bumped her head. <laughs> oh, okay. She was fine. I cried more than she did, which apparently, according to the GP, thought I was, you know, overreacting. Said so she was fine, and probably I needed something to calm down. But she's fine. Well, like, I reckon like, you're am I doing there? fine. Like, Absolutely, yeah. my God. All I can say is, if you can ever go and see a movie by yourself, you should, and try and have a night off occasionally. I haven't had a night off yet. I have. We have gone to the crybaby sessions with baby. I saw half of Ocean's Eight because she cried oh, yeah. through the first half, and I didn't. <laughs> but you know, I understand how those stories work, and I'm more interested in how they're going to, you know, resolve the story rather than it's set up. Like I was fine with that. Well, what we'd love to see <laughs> though, see, just, <laughs> just, like Tate smoking, going, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> We'd love to see you at Pride. I reckon every yeah. baby needs to go to Pride. Totally. And then if you can take them to every single one, then you've actually ticked. <gasps> It was 40 little... degrees, La, and okay. she was like... It was three my kids degrees. refused to go then, too. Yeah. I was, like, sweaty in my outfit. I nearly fainted. My kids have terrible. not marched in Pride yet, but my one, when I was presenting um, for Joy on, on the yeah, balcony, yeah. looking down, my kids saw the furries walking by, and, and, and Early was like, oh, my God, Dad, look at, the, look, at the, look at the wolf, whatever. And then behind her was the puppies and the handlers. I'm going, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, our kids love that. They're like, why do those people not have any have holes in their pants? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get, we're like, people just like different things and that's yes. okay. We've run out of time. Next oh. week we are speaking with Michelle Telfer, Joe Hurst, about the Australian Standards of Care and Treatment Guidelines. Please tune in. Up next are the absolutely gorgeous and fabulous Well, 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 followed by, by the Wolf Bears. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation. Joy. Help keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.